the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Grounded and Growing in Christ. I'm Dan Rhoda, a pastor of Worland Park Christian Reformed Church, and today we are going to open the Bible together to hear from God's Word. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. There you can learn more about this audio ministry. And we'd love if you'd consider providing financial support by making a gift of any amount. If you're not part of the local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Today we take a look at the church in Thyatira, the church in Thyatira. Thyatira is the church um, that's in a city that we know the least about of any of these other, uh, any of these churches that are recorded in the book of Revelation. Because of archaeological evidence, because of historical record, there's quite a bit that's known about most of the churches. The one exception is the church in Thyatira. We know very little about the city in which this church was located. But that doesn't prevent us from understanding what it is that God is saying to his church and to us today as we take a look at these words here. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed And those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. But for the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, To you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces." even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We have here another intense letter from the lips of Christ Jesus to a church that's in a position and a context much like your own, like, much like our own. 
This church in Thyatira has much to commend it, but it's a church that has tolerated false teaching. The church in Thyatira is in a city that, as I mentioned, we know little about, but we know that the problems that are present here in the city of Thyatira are the problems that are present throughout the entire Roman Empire. There was the constant temptation in an empire that allowed sexual promiscuity and immorality to give in to those sorts of temptations. In fact, the Roman Empire was the way of all civilizations that had gone before it with the exception of Israel, and then not even always. In the United States of America, we talk about how there was a sexual revolution in the 1960s and 1970s, but the real sexual revolution took place at the time of the birth of Christianity. The Roman Empire, just like every empire that had come before it, was one of gross permissiveness in sexual terms. Worship in Rome and in all of the empires that had gone before it always had aspects of, cultural, of cultic prostitution. And the terribly sad thing is that in the United States in the 60s and 70s, it had within it a sexual return to the ways of the elemental principles of the world to the ways of every empire before the dawn of Christianity. And because of that sexual return in the 1960s and 70s, we have a remarkable amount of agreement contextually and culturally in America, in the United States today. We have an increasingly similar context to that of the church in Thyatira, a part of the Roman Empire in this time just after Christ lived. And the language, again, of this letter to the church in Thyatira is intense. And the section of judgment is more expanded and specific than the sections of judgment in any of the letters that have come before. And the introduction of Christ Jesus is the one who has eyes like a flame of fire. Right away at the very beginning in the introduction, we're given a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who sees what takes place within the churches and has power to bring judgment. And that judgment is talked about in the body of the letter. And just like in most of the letters to the churches that come from the Lord Jesus Christ through the pen of the Apostle John, this has three different sections. It has some praise for the church in Thyatira, and then it has some condemnation and warning. That's the longest section here, longer than any other letter that's come before it in, uh, in the book of Revelation. And then also it has promises for the faithful, promises for Christians who endure. And so we're going to work our way through those three parts of this text, of this letter, first talking about the strengths of this church in Thyatira. There are four works in this church that Christ praises. I know your works, says verse 19, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. And so let's work our way through these four strengths of this particular church. The first is love. They're a loving church. They're, in fact, the opposite of the church in Ephesus. If you've been here throughout our time looking through these letters to these churches in Revelation, the first one goes to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was a church that had been faithful in making sure that it weeded out false teaching. But there was one thing that the Lord Jesus had against the church in Ephesus. They lost the love that they had had at first. The church in Thyatira is the opposite sort of congregation. They love but they failed to remove false teachers from their midst. 
There are, in fact, only two times that the word love, this word love, agape, shows up in the book of Revelation. The first is in the church of Ephesus, the letter to the church in Ephesus. The second is in this letter to the church in Thyatira, talking about how these are kind of mirror image churches. Let's talk about the strength and that which is being praised. This is a loving church, and we should take note of that. And this should be one of our desires as well. The Lord Jesus Christ begins this letter by praising one of the strengths of this church. This is a loving congregation, this church in Thyatira. This is exactly what we should desire as well. We should desire the sort of praise that would come from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, the kind of praise that would come for our love. This is one of the things that Paul notes in his letters to the churches, that those churches that when you read the the epistles, when you read the letters of Paul that seem particularly close to his heart, Those are the churches that that he says, hey, I know about your love, your love for the saints. And here Jesus commends this church in Thyatira because they are characterized by love. We should take note of that. This should be the desire of our heart as well. We should want to be a loving church and we should pursue it eagerly and passionately. And being characterized by love is something that I deeply desire for us, and we should deeply desire as a congregation to be a loving church. And so love is the first thing that they are praised for. The second thing that they are praised for is faith. I know your works, your love, and your faith, says Jesus. This is a church that continues to trust in Jesus, and this should be one of the aspects of every true church characterized by faith. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. You see, faith is the instrument that joins us to the Lord Jesus Christ, and continuing to trust in him must be a marker of the church. And for those that excel in faith, Christ Jesus has words of praise for them. Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message. Church in Thyatira was a church committed to faith, and therefore they receive praise from the Lord Jesus Christ. The third work that they do that they're praised for is service. I know of your works, your love, your faith, and your service. This is a congregation that had given themselves to an active life of care and help, of charitable service and ministry to others. And this is a place where I think Orland Park Christian Reformed Church should be able to see herself reflected in the words of Jesus to this church. Orland Park CRC is a place of service. This is a place where Orland Park CRC excels. We love to serve. We love to give ourselves to tangible expressions of love for God and care for others. I don't know if you've been here a long time or if you're newly visiting here, if you've recently become a member, but this is one of the characteristic markers of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I think it's one of the things that's known. I mean, we heard today about the home bill that the church carries out annually, almost annually. The number of houses that Orland Park CRC has built is amazing, and it speaks to unique gifts and abilities that the Lord has given to members of this congregation and for the fact that Orland Park CRC loves to use them in service to Christ. This is good. 
The youth group is going to do a home build in, in uh, this next year, in 2020. They're going to build a church. If I'm understanding correctly, they're going to build a whole church, a whole small church in one week. I think very few congregations in the world, I would guess, would be able to build an entire church in one week, much less the youth group of that church. But Orland Park CRC, we're going to do it. There are so very many ways that the church has served. I just want to mention a few more of them. And in mentioning a few of them, I'm, don't, I'm not intending to exclude anyone. I, I, don't want, I don't want to try to do that. But let me just mention a couple more ways of service. There's a food pantry. And, and weekly, there are people who come here and need food. And they are cared for by our faithful volunteers. Our car ministry is turning 20 in February. And Bruce Harnu wrote and confirmed to me yesterday that at the, as of right now, the car ministry has given away 958 cars in its existence. That's amazing. It's an incredible way to serve. There are Christmas baskets year after year after year, a wonderful way that the congregation gives of its time to put together baskets for those who are in need of food. I mean, many, 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 and then deliver them in the name of Jesus to people. This is beautiful service. And these are only some of the official ways of serving. And it doesn't even start talking about those from the church who cook and serve breakfasts or lunches in the city or here at Orland or, or teach or disciple week in and week out or who give themselves to care for others and visiting others and writing cards to others. Service in Thyatira was praised by the Lord Jesus. And it's important for us to mention that Christ sees your service now performed in his name and done for his glory and he is pleased and I want to tell you that I notice we notice God sees it most importantly and it's good service is the third thing that's praised in the church in Thyatira and the last thing that is praised is endurance I know your works your love and faith and service and patient endurance this was not a church that had had one fit of passion and then receded into a lack of love or a lack of faith or a lack of service. This was a church that was continuing on. Endurance is something that I think we under-recognize. Christianity is, is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. And the church in Thyatira was deepening its devotion to the Lord, persisting in devotion to the Lord. In fact, what verse 19 says is that their latter works exceed their first, that they're actually deepening in their trust to the Lord Jesus Christ, that they're giving themselves more entirely to love and to faith and to service. This is something that is not always the way that it is. I've been thinking a lot about endurance for a while now. I think that part of the reason that I think about it so frequently is that uh, because of social media, we have a window into the lives of past friends that continues on to the present day that, that we wouldn't have had a short while ago, just a generation ago. You wouldn't have had the constant sort of updates that come from people that you knew in high school or college like you do right now. One of the things that always gives me great distress is that now and again, I'll interact with people that I was friends with a, a, a past period of time, and, and we're not really in con con connection other than through social media, and I will see that this person who was at one time passionate in their trust of the Lord Jesus Christ or in their service to him have a faith that has simply vanished or morphed into something that isn't historic Christianity. There was one guy who friended me recently, and 
when we were at Wheaton College together, he was known for his passionate trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was studying to be a missionary. He was planning to go to the other side of the world in service of the Lord Jesus Christ. He friended me recently and took a look at what's been happening with him, and he now runs an organization helping people leave Christianity. He writes a book entitled, he's writing a book that he plans to title, I Am God. And this is terribly devastating to me. And I wonder oftentimes, how does this happen? How is it that someone who was an example to me in the faith walks away? How is it that, that those people that I looked to as an example for me as I was growing in my faith, how is it that those people that were leading worship at one time or, or leading discipleship groups or, or leading small groups or leading Bible studies or leading the way in, in following Jesus, how is it that it seems they've turned away? Well, they, they lack Christian endurance. Man, it's devastating to me. It's something, it's something I think about all the time. And there's nothing in the world that's more sad. The kids that were in my cabin when I was a camp counselor for 10, 12 years that have walked away from the fate. The friends of mine who I had deep fellowship with who have walked away from the faith. Christian endurance, please understand, it's something that should be praised, obviously, because Jesus praises the church in Thyatira for it. And I think that it may be more rare than we realize. So how do you, how do you get Christian endurance? Well, it's not something that you can create. It's something that God gives Instead of, instead of striving or endeavoring to hold ever tighter to Jesus, give yourself up to him and pray that he might hold you ever tighter. If your faith, if your endurance depends on your ability to hold on to Jesus Christ, then you and I, then we're doomed in that regard. But if our faith depends on Christ holding fast to us, then I've got great news for you. He will never let you go. And so pray. Pray for endurance. Pray that Christ continues to hold on to you. Because he will hold you fast and never let go. So pray for true faith, true trust in Jesus Christ, and pray for an enduring faith. These are the things that are praised within the congregation of Thyatira, these four works. But then... In verse 20, Jesus tells them the things that he has against them. And it brings up a long, a long section of judgment. But I have this against you, starts verse 20, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. 
The church in Thyatira is is tolerating this woman, Jezebel. Now, this uh, this might be the actual name of a false teacher in their midst. It may be that this refers to a specific false teacher with the name of an Old Testament person, that person being Jezebel. In the Old Testament, Jezebel was the wife of King Herod who brought the nation of Israel into idol worship. And this woman, Jezebel, that was in the midst of the people of Thyatira and being tolerated by them, she called herself a prophetess. She said that she was a prophet. She claimed to be speaking for God. She was saying, God says that you should engage in sexual immorality. Or that God says you shouldn't prevent others from engaging in sexual immorality. She was saying, God says that people should eat meat sacrificed to idols. She was saying, this is what the word of the Lord says. You've misunderstood what's contained in the scriptures. God actually approves of this or that kind of sexual immorality. You see, sexual immorality was so much a part of the regular life in these sort of environments that not to participate in immoral sexual sexual immorality was was to not participate in in the worship life of the city. It was to not participate in the civic life of the city, and so it was to be seen as unpatriotic. It was to not be allowed to participate in some of the trade guilds of the city. It had economic hardship attached to it. If you were unwilling to engage in sexual immorality, you might not be able to make a living as easily as others who were a part of the union in that town. And so this so-called prophetess was saying, hey, things, things don't need to be so hard for you. God says you can do these things. The false things that she was saying were the same as the Nicolaitans and as Balaam was teaching in the letters that have come before to the church in Pergamum. The false teaching that's condemned in Revelation is so often connected to sexual immorality. And you know what? This is part of why these letters are so relevant to us today. There are so many teachers that you might encounter that will claim to speak for God and encourage sexual immorality. There are teachers today who claim that they're speaking for God, and they say this. And you and I need to be aware. You and I need to be aware. Every single one of us has had our souls formed by this society in which we have been raised. Whether we like it or not, our souls have been shaped and formed by Americanism, by democratic, egalitarian capitalism. And so you will hear messages that seem to make a lot of sense to Americans. You'll hear them proclaimed in churches. Messages that suggest that, I don't know, that if a certain number of people agree to change a certain teaching, that it should be all right. Because, you know, the majority rules. Or the kind of teaching that seeks to eliminate God-ordained differences and distinctions in the world. Differences between men and women. Or differences between parents and children. Differences between God and his creation. Differences in authority. And so these messages will kind of encourage sameness in everything. One-ism. And it will make sense to those of us who have had our souls shaped in this society. Or there will be messages that encourage you to be wealthy or successful. There will be teachers that will tell you if you pay a certain amount that you won't have any issues. These messages captivate us and we can be tempted to believe what these teachers are saying is true in part because they might even say that this is what the Holy Spirit of God is saying, but it's not. 
It is the spirit of the age, and it can be hard to discern the difference between the two, but this distinction is utterly important. The spirit of God will never contradict the scriptures. Never. Hebrews 13 verse 8 tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, but the spirit of the age will come to you and say, it's okay to revise the Bible. It's okay to change the message of the scriptures. It may be that what the church has believed all throughout its existence, it may be that that's wrong. The spirit of the age will say it's good to move to a new age of the spirit. And it's hard for us sometimes to discern the difference between the voice of the spirit of the age and the voice of the spirit of God. But false teachers like Jezebel always come in the power of the spirit of the age and always oppose the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, we must not tolerate such teaching. And the church in Thyatira tolerated her teaching, and her teaching was evil. Jesus here calls it and affirms what some people were calling it. She was likely saying that she was teaching the deep things of God. She was actually teaching the deep things of Satan. That's what it's referred to later on here in the letter here. And this will always be our temptation to tolerate evil. My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church. This month, we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.